Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series that we're calling Get Connected. And um, this is a sub-series under the Ministry of Encouragement, talking about the Encourager's Plan, ultimately, which are the, uh, this, this whole thing that we're putting together to keep you in the mindset of being thankful for five things every day and encouraging two people. And we've been looking at different chunks of Scripture that I've asked you to memorize along the way. We looked at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and we've talked about the importance of being focused. And then we, we talked uh, about um, Ephesians 6, uh, 12 through 18, and we talked about taking a stand. And now, um, in this series called Get Connected, we're looking at Matthew, and, and we're looking at uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, and what most of you would know as the Lord's Prayer. And we're sort of dissecting the Lord's Prayer down as a model for prayer, and that um, if we follow this model, that these aren't just words to repeat, but this model will help us to get connected and to remind us of what really matters and, and what we're to pray for and how we're to pray and keep us sort of all on the same page in that process. Now, last week... We looked at Matthew 6, 9, and, and uh, hopefully you memorize that, because this should be easy. This is, these are no-brainer scriptures, because you know them, because like everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, all right? And so um, Matthew 6, 9 says, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about that last week, and we, we, we talked about it in the concept of uh, that God wants us to know him as Father, and in an intimate way um, that Jesus introduced this, which was the idea of Abba, Daddy, Papa sort of interaction. And that he's, he's a good Father. And that we, we need to understand that God is for us, that he's with us, that he cares about us, that he's capable. And, and we talked about this last week. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back and listen or watch that message. Well, this week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about and memorize the next part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 6.10, which says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this part of the prayer um, really should bring some peace into your life. And that, that that's the, as we sort of approach this concept of using this prayer as a model. We begin by um, connecting with God, realizing that he's our father, and thanking him for that, and kind of worshiping along those lines. And in this next part, um, there's this, this process that allows us to know peace because um, it, it talks about the kingdom of God uh, coming into our lives. And, and the will of God being done in our lives, and that when we can get to that place, there's peace. And so I want to talk about that today and, and the importance of that. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I like this subject. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God. It's one of my favorite topics. I, I love to talk about the kingdom and what it looks like. Um, and before we get started, though, it's kind of interesting because I know you can't tell this on video, but, but we're doing this, and it's kind of a sleepy night. Uh, tonight, and we had a big event last night, and so everybody looks a little sleepy to me. And it reminds me of this uh, this little story of this Sunday school teacher, and she's bringing her class back into the church, the main church, for some sort of event. And before she goes in there, 
She's, she says to them, now listen, you, you know uh, that we have to be on our best behavior. And, and you know that, that uh, why is it important to be quiet in church? And one of the little girls raises her hands and she calls on her. She says, because people are sleeping. <laughs> Which happens sometimes. You know, if you took all the people that slept in church and laid them end to end, they'd be a lot more comfortable. We had a shift to true stories. One of my, my favorite stories about sleeping in church. See, I don't, people sleep. I don't care that people sleep in church. I really don't. And, and it's a good spot to fall asleep. It's as good as any. Um, and so, uh, it, it doesn't affect me or impact me at all. One time, um, I had a young man who, who used to come, um, because I know that it, it blessed his parents. He was probably 30. Um, uh, 20, but his, uh, he would be in the keys. I have to tell this story before they all come back. Um, with his aunt and uncle, and he sort of helped them and, 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 and took care of them. And, um, and, and so he would be here, and because they came to church, he would come to church. And his, his parents, you know, the, uh, related to the aunt and uncle, obviously, somehow, one with brother or sister, they came to church, and nice, really nice people. And anyway, the, the young man, about 30, he's a good guy. Um, he he sometimes would would go out on a Saturday evening, and so when Sunday morning came around, he'd be you know a little beat up. <laughs> and so this particular Sunday morning, for whatever reason, he had he sat himself in the very front row, right there, and and his his family was all back about four rows back. They were sitting back over there, and so he's sitting there, and I start talking, and he starts falling asleep. I said, I don't I don't really care, you know. And, and yet, as he falls asleep, he slumps. You know what I mean? So he's, he's obviously like half passed out there in the front row. And I just think, well, good. He's getting a good, good nap. It's good with me. His mom, sitting four rows back, five rows back, she notices this. And she's appalled because this is not something that's flying right with her at all. And yet she doesn't want to make a scene, you know. And so I'm watching as I'm, as I'm preaching. I'm watching this whole thing unfold. And she starts making a move, and she does it really slow. So she's like in the middle of the row, five rows back. She slowly moves to the end of the row, and she sits at the end of the row. And I'm watching it move. And, then, and she waits until nobody's looking at her anymore. And then she moves up one row on the end. <laughs> and she's, she's cautiously moving, like stealth moving, you know what I mean? So as not to draw attention to this situation. But I can see, and she's looking at me, hoping I'm not, and I'm not, I'm, I'm watching, but I'm not letting her know I'm watching her, that I'm seeing this at all, you know? And, and yet though, as I kind of, I'm getting a kick out of it, and she's, she's slowly moving, row by row. And so she's worked her way, she's taken some time to get all the way from back there, over to here, with as, the minimum amount of distraction, so she can deal, and, and he's sitting in the second seat, she sits down quietly, in the seat right next to him. And all this has been going on, right? And then she <laughs> she goes to put her arm on him to kind of straighten him up, you know. And he goes, "What?" <laughs> One of my favorite moments. And then I'm losing it. You know what I mean? And everybody. So she's trying so cool to be, you know. She should have just let him sleep. Nobody would have, nobody cared. What? He did the whole flailing around. 
and scream. I mean, it was really loud, too. I haven't preached yet, have I? I should start. <laughs> okay, so the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Now, some people read about the kingdom of God and they begin to think that it's a place. And you need to know the kingdom of God is not a place. Um, when, when you read, which it, it, the, the phrase occurs a lot in the New Testament, like 165 times or something. When you read about the kingdom of God, it's not a place. And because and, uh, some people go, well, you know, what is the kingdom of God? Is it, is it heaven? It's not heaven. Is it the church? It's not church. Um, the kingdom of God is in reality the rule or the reign or his, his, his rule, his reign, his authority in our lives. That's the deeper meaning of the kingdom of God. So when you read about the kingdom of God, that's always the meaning. There's some other, sometimes some implications, but that's always what's being um, talked about when you hear about the kingdom of God. It's his authority, his right to rule and reign. If you were here on Wednesday, um, we looked at Luke chapter 19. that has a pivotal verse about this. Uh, and, and it's a story that Jesus tells about uh, a man who's come, uh, who's about to go to a distant country to receive a kingdom and then come back. And so if it was a place, this kingdom, because the Greek word there is Basilea, that wouldn't make any sense to go somewhere else to get a kingdom to come back to where you were to be a king. What it's talking about there is, in the Greek word Basilea is this authority, this right to rule and reign. And... Um, that's what we're praying for in this simple little prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're, we're saying, uh, God, I, I want your authority. I want to, to happen. I want your rule in my life. I want your reign in my life. Let your kingdom come in me. So, so the kingdom of God ultimately exists anywhere that Jesus is king. So if Jesus is your king, the kingdom of God exists in you. It's, it's his rule, his reign in our lives. And so that's, in effect, what we're asking for. And, and this process takes place when we, we begin to yield to him so it's not about things going my way, but his thing happening in my life. And there's a big difference in this whole process. And when we get a hold of that, that's when we begin to experience the peace of God. We won't experience it as long as we're trying to do our own thing. It just won't. It comes in the presence of God, in the kingdom of God, as we begin to yield to his authority, his right to, to rule and reign in our lives, that, that his will would be done here, just like it already is being done in heaven. And that this is the process, and there we find peace uh, in our lives. And so it's, it's this um, getting ourselves positioned in order to respond to his rule and his reign in our lives. It's, it's letting ourselves get to that spot. Romans 14, 7, uh, 17 in the NIV says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, in Romans 14:17, it says it this way in the New Century Version. In the kingdom of God, eating and drinking are not important. The important things are living right with God, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so the, the context of the kingdom then is it's, it's not about 
um, get in my way, and it's not about stuff. Uh, it's ultimately, it's a, it's a spiritual uh, connection, living right with God, and a relational connection, a, a life of joy and peace. See, that's what's supposed to be happening in our lives. And, and though we're supposed to experience those things um, without the bearing of uh, circumstances always being what we would like them to be, because they won't be. And so we, we hold all that into, uh, in context as we begin to pray to the Lord. And, and, uh, and so this, this is what we need to know. This is a, uh, the, the spiritual connection, living right with God. This is how we're supposed to walk it out. And the, the, there's a relational component in our life with God that, should, uh, that allows us to experience peace and joy. And it's all about, you know, connecting with his rule and his reign. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. His rule and reign isn't about eating and drinking. Uh, it, it's about living right with him, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what's happening and that's what we're praying in this part of the prayer. And so there's a few things that we need to know as we pray along those lines. Uh, in this part of the prayer to get us again ready to be connected to the Lord. And so we, we've already talked about the importance of knowing Him as Father, Abba Daddy, Papa Father. And now we, we see that it's important that we yield to His rule and His reign in our lives that we might experience peace. And so there's some things that we can do to help ourselves to get to that spot. And the first one is this you have to think about every day who's in control? Who is really in control? And most of us have control issues at some level. Some of us have worse control issues than others. My family always jokes with me because I always have to drive. I don't like it when anybody else drives. Um, and so if it's possible, and they know it, and so they just let me do it. Um, and so that's, that's somewhat of a control issue. Now, you have a major control issue if you've if you got to drive into somebody else's car. <laughs> that's a significant control issue. I'm not that bad. I just always try and work it out so we go in my car. <laughs> but um, every day when you get up, you get to decide who's going to be in control of your life. You or God. That's part of the process. Who, who's going to be in control of your life this day? Will it be you or will it be God? Psalm 46.10 in the NIV says, Be still and know. That I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. That same verse in the in the um, God's Word translation says this: Let go of your concerns. Then you will know that I am God. I rule the nations, and I rule the earth. That word "be still," the the, the phrase in the NIV, um, in the in the Hebrew, literally means. Uh, let go. Calm down. Relax. Lighten up. This is the context of the word. That's the, the, the psalmist advice for us in this process. Uh, it, it's, it literally means let go. Quit hanging on so tightly to everything and, and trust in the Lord. And, and it's very important for us to to get this thing. One of the reasons why I think it's so important that we learn to be thankful every day, especially in the beginning of the day, to start with a thankful attitude, is that as you realize the blessings in your life, it's much easier to let go and trust God. Because it, 
it's, it's just very helpful in that process. And so we, we have to start. So we're, remember now, this is all a model for prayer. We're, we're remembering who God is. He's our Father. And we're, we're coming in and we're processing through this. Well, who's going to be in control today? God, I want you to be in control. I know all day long I'm going to be fighting for control. But it, I don't really want it. I want you to have it. And I want you to show me when I'm taking it so that I can let it go and relax in you and experience peace in my life. This is part of the process. The second thing that comes and that we need to understand is what I'll call the blessing of contentment. See, in this life, you have to be, you have to be ready to change what you can and you have to accept what you can't change. And that's about contentment. Um, and, and we often struggle so hard to try and control uncontrollable situations and all it does is causes stress and worry. Um, and, and there's only one thing that works in situations you can't control, and that's learning to be content. Paul wrote this in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, he writes. For I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. And one of the neat things about that is that that's very important if you caught that. Contentment didn't just fall out of the sky on Paul. He learned to be content. If Paul can learn it, so can we. Whatever... The circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's the secret of contentment. He can do he can, he can whatever it is. Plenty, lack. As long as he's got his eyes focused on him. He can get through it. And see, it's, it's that important. Who's, who's, who's in control and learning to be content? Not complacent, but content. And there's a difference. And, and so this contentment is something that we need to learn that we can trust in the Lord. One of the most amazing things about this verse, why I think it's got so much power behind it, is that when Paul wrote it, he was in prison. You think about it. <laughs> he's got it down if he can write it in prison. I don't believe I'd be writing letters like that from prison. My letters would be like, get me out, please. Can't you get me out? <laughs> I don't want it, mommy. <laughs> please, help me. <laughs> I'm not there yet where Paul was. Paul was like, eh, it's okay. God's with me. I'm in it. That's contentment. And, and we need to learn to be content. Now, like I said, not a complacent attitude. Complacent means you just check back out and you, you surrender. We're, we're involved in a battle here. We've got things happening. We're taking a stand on encouragement. But, but see, life won't always go the way we want. It's okay. We need to be content with what he's doing. Again, why it's so important to be thankful is it helps us to learn to be content. Third thing they always got to remember as we go into this prayer is it's not about me. It's not about me. Um, when we come back next week, we're going to be talking about give us this day our daily bread. And it's totally okay to ask God f for your needs. And we'll talk about that. It's completely, absolutely okay. Some people have this idea they've been told that they can't do that. And don't, you, you absolutely can do it. It's part of the prayer. And we'll explain it next week. But what we have to realize is bigger picture, it's not all about me. And we get very self-focused very quickly. And most of us live life 
a big chunk of the time where it's all about us. We can't help it. It's part of our natural inclination that we begin to see things completely from our own perspective. It's normal, but there's a bigger picture. And we need to remember that, especially as we move into prayer and in connection with God, that rather than struggling to try and get my will and my plan accomplished, I often have to grab hold of the fact that my plan may not be God's plan. Have you ever realized that? Sometimes your plan, and God says to make plans, but sometimes we make plans and it's not really God's plan. And at some point, sometimes we've got to say, I think I missed the plan, God, but I want your plan and that's okay. I'll make plans, but, but I'm, they're subject to change whenever you want to change them. And so, um, one of the things that we sort of have to grab a hold of in this concept that is not about me is learning to be unselfish. And, and, and it's one of the biggest lessons we'll learn in life. But, but learning to be unselfish frees us up from amazing amounts of worry and baggage. And, and it ultimately helps us to get our priorities straight and realize what's really important in life. What's really important in life is God and other people. That's the big deal in life. When, when Jesus was asked, I keep telling you the same thing, what's the most important? Love him and love others. That's what it's all about. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom, kingdom, his rule and his reign, and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The whole point is, if you, if you get your focus right, it's not all about you. He takes care of you. And, and that's why I said, next week we'll talk about it. It's, you can ask him for your needs. You're supposed to. But, but it's not, that's not your, you don't need to be consumed by that because he's God and he's good. And if you get your focus right, he takes care of all that stuff. That's the promise. It's a great promise. Remember, and I told you last week why it's important to know that he's faithful because he keeps his promises. If he says he'll do that, he'll do it. Something you can bank on. Finally, last point. Um, is is living by doing the next right thing. Remember I, I said in that one of those first verses, it's about the kingdom of God is about living right with God. It's, it's all about, and we talk about this a lot, but I have to keep bringing this point up because this is where I think we ultimately move into the will of God in our lives, which is what we're asking for. His rule, his reign, his will to be done in our lives. Our response to that is a spiritual connection with him, being connected to him, and then living life trying to do the next right thing. I, I put trying in there as I talk about it because, see, we won't always do the next right thing. We'll mess up sometimes. You need to know that's part of the deal. You're a sinner, like I am. Sometimes you will choose sin over the next right thing. It's what you'll do. However, when you realize it, see, because that's never God's will for you to get out there and sin. It's not. The reason we pray that prayer is because people go, well, God's will is not always done here on earth. It's a fallen world. It's a broken planet. Sin has been introduced. And so people want to blame things off on that. No, it's because we got out of his will that this stuff happens. And so we need to be people that are, are trying to do his will in our lives, which we bump into most of the time by trying to do the next right thing. That's where you'll most 
stay on track with the will of God. It's by doing the next right thing, because that's what he wants you to do. And working through this whole thing and thinking about, am I being selfish? Is it all about me? Have I considered God in this? Am I, am I, you know, is it, is it my focus right? Am I seeing bigger picture stuff? Or am I consumed? Um, am I, am I being, you know, manipulated by the culture around me? What's going on? These are the things that we begin to ask God. And, and ultimately it happens as we surrender to His rule and His reign as our God. All I really want, God, is what you want. I'll, I'll, that's, that's how this thing has to work. Because that's where life is found. That's where peace is found. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. He'll give you your plan. He'll direct your steps. See, I'm going to trust Him with my life. I'm going to trust Him with my future. And ultimately, the results of my life are going to be up to God. So rather than push and, and fight and, and, and get all sidetracked on things that don't matter, I just want to get focused in on him. And so we, we do it by trying to, to do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. What, what am I supposed to do, God, today? I'll just do the next right thing. And then you do it. And then you do the next right thing. And then if you mess up, you go back to God. And you say, God, I'm sorry. I got off track. I got selfish. Will you forgive me? He does. And then he says, now go, do the next right thing. And you do it again. And that's the process that we live. And so this whole connection then in this prayer is about learning to trust him. um, And that as we do, we find peace in his kingdom, uh, which is his rule and his reign in our lives. And so we we are able then to pray uh, along those lines, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. In me. And that's what we're asking for in that process. So we know him as a father, daddy, Abba, and we surrender to his rule and his reign in our lives. That's the beginning of this connection in prayer with God. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. If you need anything, you can call us, write us. God bless you guys in Williston uh, as you watch that way. And.